You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest, fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I hope you guys are having a wonderful new year. Here we are, almost two weeks into January, and we've got a lot to cover, starting with, are Toronto condo buyers still getting slaughtered? This is a big question and still a little bit of confusion on what that looks like. And then we're going to cover what are the latest trends in the Toronto rental market. If you've been following our show, you know that the rental market is something we need to be paying very close attention to because it could be very well be a leading indicator specifically on the condo space, but really for our market at large. And then are soaring markets and house prices a epic bubble about to pop. We're going to look at the counter views. What are the thoughts on this as we as investors, as myself as a broker with clients in the investment community wondering what comes next? If we're going to make money. We got to know what's going on in our marketplace. And of course, we'd like to have some fun. You guys have probably heard that Trump got deplatformed on Twitter. What a move, man. That's what you get for building a movement, dude. <laughs> you need to start small on Twitter if you're going to change the world. Look at my boy, Jesus. He only had 12 followers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I like to start there. But hey, if you go, you go anywhere, right? Like look at the, the Dalai Lama, let's say, for instance. You follow him on Twitter, but he ain't following you back. He's very self-centered. <laughs> All right, let's get into it, guys. I hope you're ready to have some fun. Please hit that like, subscribe button. We're going to continue to put out wonderful content. And I, as an investor, I'm looking myself anyway. So why not share the goods? Share the insight, able to make some calls sometimes, some predictions. Can't call them predictions, but I guess we do on our video titles. Here we go. Are Toronto condo buyers still getting slaughtered? There's enough confusion in this market that you can take advantage. This is what's exciting about this time when it comes to the condo space. So there's an article from betterdwelling.com to set the tone for us. Toronto and Vancouver condo buyers warned. You were warned by CMHC. They're still getting slaughtered. This is the title of the article. And what they're talking about was CMHC back in April warned first-time buyers, be very, very careful, put 5% down, you're going to lose it all if the market comes down even incrementally. Well, in fact, that did happen from the peaks back in April. So CMHC, they called it. And if you didn't listen, buoy on you, man. That's your problem now. Well, what do those numbers look like today? Let's say. Right, so the ROI on a minimum down payment is negative in Toronto. Listen to this. Look, a look let's take a look at the return on investment for your down, your down payment, since that's how many agents sell condos. Think about the leverage. So this is actually a very valid point. The point is this: you know what? You can get into the real estate market will go up, and you are going to get the upside on 100% of that asset. But you only need to put 5% in. That's the leverage, the power of leverage, which is a very real opportunity. But what they're saying here is that works both ways. And it does. Across Treb, a benchmark condo buyer last May would have lost 147.95% on their down payment. Crazy. In the city of Toronto, that's 169.29% of their down payment. So you lost your down payment and then some. And then some. Obviously coming in the form of equity. So let's look at that side. Toronto condo buyers most likely have negative equity. Even with all the pay down, you're still negative, folks. Including the payment towards your principal. In Treb, a benchmark buyer would be in the hole by $3,800. They'd have a negative 0.66% of value. So you've actually lost the entire equity plus the pay down in your condo. 
Should have listened to CMHC, guys. Should have listened to Better Dwelling. Paying the price now. In the city, benchmark buyer would be worse off about 1.81% negative equity. Sounds like quite the investment. Why would you ever buy in this great city? Yes, these buyers are likely now negative equity. So we can look at this. And the question is, is what are you suggesting? Okay, so you're going to you're gonna give a little bit of a, what's the, like, whoop, da -na 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 -na. I don't know what the reaction is. <laughs> what's the hand signal for da -na 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 -na? <laughs> What are they suggesting? You sell? Is that, is that the recommendation? I don't think so. I don't think so. They, they, even if they wanted to sell right now, you couldn't. I mean, your closing would be 5%. You don't have what you put in. You're stuck. So we're all looking at the same stats, same information coming up with very different conclusions. It's like the Bible <laughs> or Trump's Twitter. Let's get outside of religion, huh? Both believers and non-believers read it to reinforce their views. However you see that, you're going to get a sense from these other articles how I see that. Yes, I get it. You can wave your flag and say, look at, ha ha, I was right. You won the battle. But let's look at the war of real estate and if, in fact, condos have an opportunity to make that glorious comeback. Blogto.com had an article called Condo Sales in Toronto Rise Again Thanks to People Looking for Bargain Prices. Bargains. So if it's a bargain, it means it's worth more than it's selling for. So maybe there's something different here. Let's listen. As high rises continue to be slapped up, <laughs> slapped up <laughs> at typical Toronto speeds over 2020. Fewer people seem to be buying them with swaths of residents departing the downtown core for cheaper, more spacious suburbs. Now as work from home became the norm. In other words, condos are getting beat up. But by December, that's last month, it seems that the condo market had started making its recovery. It started and it's happened quite quickly. We'll see that in some of the numbers. Last month marked record highs for home prices. This is looking at 13.5% year over year. What's perhaps most interesting, which is what we said last week, nobody else was saying this. We were saying condos is the real story. It was hiding in the background. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Well, now people are starting to look at this and say, you know what? They're saying what we did. The condo space is the real story. They literally say that here. What's perhaps most interesting is the bounce of condo sales, a sector that experts have been encouraging buyers to get into while prices were relatively low. And we've been saying that. I really took, at the beginning of this, if we were going to give some history, unless you want to go back and listen to our podcast, I'll give you the summary. Our thinking was, buy it if you want a condo, now's a good time to get a deal. We said kind of what they're saying here. If you want to time the market, which is higher risk, higher reward, if you move quickly, my advice was be ready. Be ready, because in a matter of a week or two, you got to be putting offers on properties, and that, in fact, was the case. We saw this turnaround in like six weeks, and we'll see that here too. So the question was, were you ready? Because just a couple weeks ago, I was saying, this is it, guys. This is it. This is it. But how many of you were ready to pull the trigger that fast? Probably not many of you, which just goes to show time in the market is better than getting a deal. RBC senior economist Robert Hoagie says, softer condo prices are now drawing more buyers in. Existing condo sales soared virtually everywhere in December. Holy smokes. Is this the same condo market that you're reading about in the newspapers? This signified that buyers were, quote, out in full force looking for bargains with a glut of units available in the 500th range, the lowest they may be for some time. It's my favorite word in the world. Bargain. It means a great deal to me. <laughs> With the rollout of COVID vaccines and return to something like normal this year, there surely won't be many bargains to be found in the Toronto housing market for long. Is that true? Do you believe that? Months of inventory is dropping very fast. 
And then if you had any doubts on that article, this one I think really hammers a point. It's called, and this is from torontostories.com, don't call it a comeback. Toronto's condo market is already heating up again. Two weeks ago, nobody could have said this because we really were tracking week over week, but it really took until the numbers. And even after the numbers came out, it took the second week before people started to clue in the fact that things are heat, super heat. <laughs> Whether it was due to mortgage rates, vaccine implementation, or just something in the water, December saw Toronto's condo market activity soar to new heights. In early November, in early November, Toronto Stories cautioned downtown condo investors and really anyone looking to jump into the sector that the time was not ideal to strike. But instead, they said, watch and wait. We said, watch and wait, but also be ready because we anticipated a quick reaction. A mere two months later, it seems, patience has proven itself a virtue. So you waited for two months. You're actually behind now. Here's the reality. And industry insiders expect the trend will carry on in the months to come. I expect so too. For those who waited and they wanted to time the market, and, and I told you, if you weren't ready, you're too late now. The, the best case scenario would have been in December. But still a great time to buy a condo. So let's not throw this in the garbage. Hopefully you guys have that ball rolling, especially if you're looking to make a break for the downtown core. They say this, it's interesting. October, things were sluggish. Early November, things were sluggish. And then all of a sudden, what we're seeing anecdotally, and we're going to try to quantify this with data, is there's a strong demand and return from investors. Keep that in mind, investors, we're gonna talk about that, who saw the decline in prices downtown as an opportunity to jump in. Looking weekly year-over-year -year increases, weekly, not monthly, a slow climb was evident from November 15th onwards, which we were kind of discussing. We also saw some stabilizing happening in the rental space, showing small jumps from negative 11% to 5%, and then from 9 to 23% and 31%. But in December, we saw a 72% price jump. Just like that. Boom. A little less than two months passed, we saw the market months of inventory from 3 to 2 Crazy. Here's a quote. My feeling is the surge in condominium sales is being largely driven by demand from investors who are jumping in, not necessarily end users or people buying a first time condo. Even if condos can be a greasy asset class, it's still damn tasty. <laughs> people will keep buying it, which reminds me. <laughs> is KFC's Twitter account very fried? <laughs> oh, very fried. Anyways, moving on. So looking ahead, we're going to start, we're going to transition into the rental market, which is a perfect segue, but let's just finish up this article with what they have to say about the rental market. A new report from RBC says downtown condo prices still bucked and the trend to due to ample inventories in Canada's largest cities, the downturn in the market rental market has prompted many condo investors to sell. So we see these guys that are running, right? Cause you've got you've got rental prices dropping. So they're running for the hills. Yet what we're going to see in the numbers is actually investors that are picking it up and taking it the other way, whether it's a buy or sell. Look at the way real estate is being traded. It's crazy. This type of speculation on either side. Softer condo prices are now drawing more buyers in. Existing condo sales soared virtually everywhere in December. We expect condo growing affordability advantage over single family homes will boost demand in 2021. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound like something we've talked about in the past? That margin, that split is very, very high, very high. When we look at the history between the single family and the condo space, if for no other reason, unless you believe the single family price are going to come down, you have to naturally think there's some upside potential for condos, but in a blink, in a blink, everything can change. Just ask Mr. Trump. <laughs> One day he's trending. Next day he needs to sign up with the Soviet Twitter. 
<laughs> That's where you can make an account without a, your presidential email, right? You just use your USSR name. <laughs> All right, let's move on, guys. Let's move on. Getting ahead of ourselves here. So what are the latest trends in the Toronto rental market? What are we watching? What are some of the things we're seeing? Because we haven't heard a lot of news on the rental market as we've rounded into the new year. Well, I'm going to look at some realosophy stats for you here. First thing that's worth pointing out is cost to buy is very high relative to rent rates. They actually have this price to rent ratio, as Realosophy calls it, frothy. It's a frothy calculation because we're seeing this spread getting higher and higher. In fact, it looks like it's over 30%. Pretty much for every category, it's worse in central Toronto. But we're seeing that spread between rent and the purchase price, meaning purchase price, you're better to rent from, a, from an uh, affordability perspective. Yet, yet... You, can't, you have to hold this in line with this other stat that they have here, which is the percentage of investors who are purchasing. So of all the purchasers, how many of those folks are investors? And what we see in these calculations is, in fact, investors that are sustaining the central Toronto market by a big margin. In fact, I'm looking at the percentage of sales. When we look back at, let's go back to what, 20, let's do 2015, 2016, we're floating kind of 8%, let's say, for all categories. Now, that 8% still exists when you go further out into the 905, but when it comes to central Toronto, that number is, looks like 13%. So it's quite a big jump over the years, and there's become this kind of a spread where investors are focusing downtown. Why? Why are y'all looking downtown? I don't know. I don't know. John Pasala says, I never thought I would see this. Listen to this. This is crazy. I never thought I'd see this either. Average rents downtown, meaning the old city of Toronto, are below the average rents for Toronto as a whole and below the GTA average. What? What? Not just below Toronto, but below the GTA average. That is crazy, the steepness of the drops. Now, that's not to say that's the only one dropping. We see rents dropping in all of these sections. It's just happening more and more in the city of Toronto. So does this symbolize, that's the word I'm looking for, a bottom for rent rates? Is that it? Does that mean that's like, because now we're at a point where it's like, well, well, because yeah, we've talked about this on the show, right? If you, I can rent in Mississauga, it's going to cost me the same amount. I might as well be downtown. Does that mean that's the bottom? Well, not really. Again, because they're all dropping. Rent rates are still dropping. I think that's a trend we're going to see continue for the next little while. I need to see some serious numbers before I change my mind on that. But central Toronto is dropping faster. They're dropping faster to the point now where they are below. One of the big factors that we've been tracking on that is the Airbnb space. And we know you're required to be registered with the city in order to have your listing on Airbnb. So is that actually happening? Because the plan was to do that at the beginning of the year. Then it got pushed back about a week because the city wasn't ready or for whatever reason. Well, now, now we're serious. There's a serious deadline. <laughs> so Z-Land had a post on Twitter. Airbnb deadline number two is here. So they randomly checked 10 listings. And again, this is a very small sample size, but just to give you some sense, none of these, unless the registered should be listing, here, listed. Here's what they say. Five of them have license numbers presented. Good. Two are listed as, quote, exempt. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Like, oof, what's going on? Now, and three of them, there was no license specified at all. So not only are they all not registered, which Airbnb seemed to be pretty strict on, they're going to just shut you down. But then we got this exempt category, which who knows? Often license number is not clearly visible and is buried under the read more. Total mess. Total mess. And they're clearly not strict enough on it. I haven't really heard all that much news about this, given that we're a few days into that kind of changeover. We'll be tracking it closely. So make sure you hit that subscribe if you want to keep in the loop and we'll see where this goes. We'll see where this goes. Mario, 
dude, you need to register your Airbnb, man, or else it's a fine. Mario's like, no, it's a not fine. <laughs> They're freaking out in Little Italy. Okay. Steep increase in rental listings. This is another point that I wanted to drive home because as we're tracking the rental market, we got investors moving in. Like, why the heck are they moving in? Like, is, it, is there an opportunity? Is it the price discount? It, so it would seem. But Zealand had another post because we're tracking these things, not just month over month, but week over week. Is there any bounce in listings, new listings on the rental space? Because we're starting to see up until the beginning of January, a very sharp dropping of list of leases. This is, and this is also why we're getting a little bit of confidence in the rental market. But now all of a sudden we got this bounce back right back up. Rental listings rebounded up 109 year to date, which is expected after the year end, which, okay. So there's some seasonal happening there. It's very important to watch where listings are going to go next. Rental listings. Traditionally, active listings decline slightly between January and August, which is a little bit of a tailwind. So are they going to decline or is this all of a sudden one week increase happened in the rental space uh, mean that we're changing course and listings are going up again? Is it Airbnbs jumping on that shock the market? Maybe, maybe. We're going to have to keep an eye on all of that. However, since demand from students is done from January semester, usually... This is just kind of tracking what happens in a normal course of business. Immigration carries rental market forward until the summer when demand from students return. So we are going to rely between now and the summer, we're going to rely very heavily on immigration. What immigration? The question is, will immigration pick up sharply before the summer of 2021? Will investors keep units vacant while they wait? Or are we going to see weakness in the rental market continue? They tend to lean that way. So it would seem it'll be interesting to see. I think the big thing is, can we get that rental inventory down? Right now it's on the upward trajectory. We'll see. We will see. But then I saw this other article from CP24 that speaks to this international student thing. It's called new work permit being offered to keep more international students in Canada. It's not it's like in finance. It's not how much you make. It's how much you keep, right? If we're going to talk about making getting 400,000 immigrants per year, could be fun. But if we can keep the ones we got, then it's a little bit less work on the front end. And that's kind of the concept I think the government is taking here. International students are being offered a new work permit by the federal government in a bid to convince more to settle here permanently. Immigration Minister Marco Mendicino says former students who hold post-graduation work permits that have expired or will soon expire can now apply for open work permits. He says it will allow effective students, effective students 18 more months to remain in Canada to try to find jobs. So you, you're going through this study permit. Please stay. Please work. We don't want you to leave. In fact, it's going to impact, they estimate, 52,000 graduates, which is cool. And the new work permit will be open for application on January 27th. So we're trying to keep these guys. Don't leave us. Stay. Stay a while. Get a job. Build your life here in Canada. That's what we want, right? I mean, the universities and colleges are on Twitter these days trying to, quote, reach out to a younger generation. <laughs> the Catholic schools have been doing it for years. Am I right? <laughs> Forget that. Okay. Erase that one. Can, can we delete that? Delete that, editor. <laughs> uh, the fact you're hearing this, you can tell it was not deleted. Hot Topics. All right, here we go. Blog TO, hot topic number one. Please hit the subscribe like button. If you guys could actually as well, please download the last five episodes. It really helps our analytics on iTunes. And uh, plus, it's more content for you to listen to on the road, which you guys are not doing these days, I hope. Blogto.com. More people bought homes over $3 million in Toronto last year than ever before. 
So you want to talk very briefly here. We're not giving it a huge segment, but we're going to talk a little bit about luxury homes. Over 3 million. Property in the city has become so overvalued. I love this, this underhand pitch here. Some, some people will be like, yeah, yeah, you go, go. Property in the city has become so overvalued that experts think we're on the verge of a housing bubble and assert that homes here are now more expensive on average than notoriously pricey locales like San Francisco, New York, and London. Oh, please. <laughs> we'll see the numbers on that. But ridiculously high costs aren't enough to stop those with money to blow, even during a pandemic, apparently, seeing as more ultra expensive homes sold in TO last year than ever before. It's not just TO. It's a GTA. According to the data, okay, we're, we're going to look here at, this is a REMAX stat for properties over 3 million in the city, 56% more increase. You want to talk about why prices are going up? This is a big component. really is. Number of sales in the condo space going down, okay, for a while there. I know it's changed now. For a while there. We had the detached homes at these ultra high prices selling like crazy. That's going to skew your average price upwards. No, will it not? And then when we look at the surrounding regions, talking about the, the 905, Halton experienced nearly 190% increase in sales over 3 million. Wow. Peel likewise saw more than double the number of sales in the price range. So it's not just Toronto. And you can say, oh, well, it's just a detached. No. Because the number of condominium apartments and townhomes that have changed hands at the 3 million, 4 million, and 5 million price points have all set new records. There's a division here. There's a side of people on the rental space that are struggling. They're suffering. We're going to talk about what this all looks like. But you have people that can afford a $3 million home. And those numbers are rising. It's not like they're buying bigger homes. They are. But there's also new people entering that space whether that's through price increases or move up buyers and being successful, doing well, though the employment climate might not be. And I had this comment from Anthony, which is a, an interesting question. I can throw it out to you guys. I haven't heard anything about this, but interesting for a conversation anyways. Has there ever been news or rumors of CMHC possibly raising their maximums of a million on an insured mortgage? If if we were ever see a raise in this cap, would we see prices get even more out of hand? I feel like down payments as a whole are bringing a whole new level of stress to new buyers in the market. So what is he talking about? Just to get everyone on the same page. In June 2020, CMHC, they made this announcement that you're only able to get, you're not eligible for CMHC insurance, meaning you have to have at least 20% down on properties worth over a million or more. And this was kind of in the heart of COVID, trying to prevent people from, you know, buying something can't afford, which means preventing that downturn that they're expecting of 20 plus percent, which was just nuts anyways. So the question is, is do we bump that cap from a million? So now I can say put less than 20% up to 1.5 or whatever. There's no mention of this so far, but it's an interesting conversation because we're going to start to see that play a role in different housing segments. Right now, the detached are kind of already overshot that. But when we're looking in things like the condo space, right? Is that going to, at some point in our city, is that going to play a real factor in suppressing the price below that million dollars? We'll see. We'll see. Another hot topic for you today. Trudeau just briefly says Canada could see an election this year. There was kind of some talk that it could happen. Well, now for the first time on Friday, there could well be an election, indicating his government is preparing for a vote he insists he does not want. So they're saying, regardless of what they say, based on the, the speech here, based on, forget whether he wants an election or not, that's beside the point of what the polls say. The polls actually put him still with a minority, but regardless, he's saying he suspects there probably will be an election which will have repercussions and it'll mean we'll have a damn good podcast for 2021. <laughs> All right, better dwelling. I thought we'd just highlight this too. Canadian mortgages over 120 days past due, DPD, 
rises at the fastest pace in years. So people, delinquents out there aren't making their payments in new and high numbers. Well, not quite, not exactly. Under that 120 days, as we see in this article even, we start to see that that actually is, there's actually a decline in the number of those. People are doing quite well. But for those who are 120 days and beyond, the people right on the verge of losing their property, they're, they're, they're out there. They're struggling in a very real sense. Well, their numbers are going up. So Canadian mortgage delinquencies are falling except for people really behind. Are there stats to back this claim up or are we just stirring the pot? Better dwelling? <laughs> like that time I tweeted, there are flat earthers all around the globe. <laughs> that, that turned some heads. Okay, so let's look at the numbers. This marks an acceleration of a trend that has been rising consistently for the past few years, namely the 120 days past due. Now that in Q3, they said it was up 2.39 basis points. I guess they've got, so they've mapped it out. I can see it on a chart. Actually, I think it's also important to note that the 60 to 90 day numbers that are down are way down, way down. Yes, we've got an increase on the 120 days, which is the real one that counts. But it's interesting to see that we've got a lot of people clearly have been saved by the government spending. Is that a good thing? We'll talk about that in a second. CBC.ca, Ontario's new COVID modeling to show ICUs full by early February, says sources. This will be interesting. Ontario's latest COVID modeling will project the province's intensive care units to be filled beyond capacity by early February. That's like three, four weeks away. And we'll also show how a new, more contagious variant of the coronavirus risks accelerating the spread of infections. Oh, damn. Uh-oh. Watch out. COVID part two. Ugh. <laughs> we need to make sure the Twitter bird can get into the hospital. He has to get his tweetment. <laughs> Premier Doug Ford has warned he is ready to impose further restrictions based on the modeling, but no announcement is planned before Tuesday this week. We're going to hear some more on that. And he says everything's on the table. Sources say options include, this sounds like a very strong option, considerations of a curfew designed to prevent people from gathering with others outside their own household, as well as further shutdowns of non-essential businesses and workplace. In fact, I even saw a CP24 article called Toronto Mayor Indicates Support for Coronavirus Curfew, says Ontario should consider other measures. We've got, the, we've got the mayor, we've got the premier, all talking about curfews. We'll see. But one of the things when I look at this, but when it comes to wave one versus wave two, one of the big differences that I'm noticing is there was still, there was a standstill in the, in the real estate market in wave number one. A lot of people are like, ah, they're freaked out by, because of the market and uncertainty as people are. I think that was a big part of it. But people actually were like, well, I don't really need to buy a house right now. And they've asked me not to. They said, don't do deals. It was pretty much a common knowledge. You're not supposed to be doing real estate transactions unless it's absolutely necessary. Get done what you need to. And that's it. Some people took advantage of that, but we don't have that same feel in our market right now. This is still just a healthy real estate market. So that I think is be a big change. Will having this kind of curfew put a little bit of a lid on it? I don't know. The last time they locked us down, real estate agents were pretty much out of work. We really were. The only folks working were the pimps in the churches. <laughs> I kept getting letters from them. Man, I was sitting at home and just offering their thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I really had to be careful how to write that joke because that could have gone really sideways. <laughs> Still could. All right, here's our last point, guys. Are soaring markets and house prices a, quote, epic bubble, a, a bubble about to pop? This bubble conversation. Clickbait for all you folks on YouTube. Heck, it's clickbait on podcast channels too. Is there going to be a bubble popping? We'll see. 
Lackey, this is a Toronto Sun article. Just to get a side perspective to warm us up here. Amid dark times, Toronto real estate remains a bright light in 2021. Here's the final point to kind of summarize this article. With optimism on the vaccine front, interest rates likely to hold for the foreseeable future, and the government scaffolding our economy with stimulus, the conditions are right for investors looking to scoop up some deals in anticipation of the recovery. What do we think? TheGuardian.com, this is a UK article. And it compares the U.S. and the U.K., but Canada fits nice and cozy in here too. Listen to this: with links rising share with links rising share prices in the U.S. and the rising home prices in the U.K. is money creation by central banks. Both the Federal Reserve in Washington and the Bank of Canada, <laughs> Bank of England, I can also add, and the Bank of Canada have ramped up their quantitative easing programs, under which the central banks buy financial assets, usually government bonds, in exchange for cash. Here's what the bulls say. People who are bullish would say share prices, they fear crashes. the crash is misplaced. Why? The global economy is going to recover quickly as soon as mass vaccination programs get on top of the pandemic. Be interesting if the vaccine works on COVID part two. Yet even strong growth will not force central banks and finance ministries to withdraw the extraordinary amount of stimulus they have been providing because inflation will remain low. So the money printing the press will continue. It will continue. So yes, there's a problem. Bulls would agree. There's a problem. But the money printing, we got it covered. These two factors, a period of rapid catch-up and a benign policy stance, will boost corporate profits and so justify rising stock market valuations. So the question is, how successful is our market? Maybe things are fine. Well, Zeland, thank you for your, your post here on Twitter, says, labor force statistics for December. How is the job market here in Canada? Here's, an, here's some news for you. Label, labor market has weakened, which is not a surprise due to lockdown. Unemployment is 8.6%. Previously, it was 8.5%. So that dropping in, in unemployment levels, meaning more jobs being created, it had been slowing down. Now it's pretty much gone the other direction. The biggest changes are happening in permanent unemployment, which is up 18% month over month, which are still lagging due to the six month delay. Historically, very high. So we're not clean as it comes to employment. So what about the bubble? Well, the British financier, Jeremy Grantham, I don't know how to read that. Say his name, Grant Ham, <laughs> who co-founded the U.S. investment firm GMO. He's, here's what he says. The long, long bull market since 2009 has finally matured into a fully fledged epic bubble <laughs> featuring extreme. I wish I sometimes I wish I thought there was a bubble like sincerely so that I could say stuff like that. <laughs> Featuring extreme overvaluation, explosive price increases, frenzied issuance, and historically speculative investor behavior, I believe this event will be recorded as one of the great bubbles of financial history. All right, maybe. Maybe. Sure. <sighs> I mean, we got CMHC saying we're not in a bubble, we're not overvalued. I, I don't know, guys. Uh, I think, again, it would... A lot of people think, oh, you're a realtor. Oh, you're so biased. It would be in my benefit, especially as it relates to social media and sharing with you guys on here to preach a bad story. Bad news sells. <laughs> it's the reason everybody knows Trump lost Twitter. But I think there's two reasons that are the reasons why investors are still investing in Toronto, despite all the craziness and the definite bubble that we're in. One is that they're betting on the future of real estate prices. That's one. That's the one everyone kind of understands. But there's another reason. There's another reason people are investing in real estate. And it's because with all this money printing, QE, whatever you want to call it, 
It's a hedge against wealth loss. The people that I talk to, a lot of savvy investors here, the reason they're putting their money into real estate is it is one of many and a tried and true method of hard assets. When the time comes, when everything hits the fan, market crashes and all that, all the fun stuff, where do you want your money to be? At least you want it to be in something of value, namely real estate, not in cash, <laughs> which is worth what? When you've got the amount of inflation we're experiencing, the amount of QE that's happening, nobody wants to hold that money. I get investors call me constantly just like, I got to invest, I got to invest, I got to invest. If I have to explain to them why they need to invest in real estate, then they're not savvy enough to even make that phone call. Everyone who's contacting me understands the risk that their money, their cash that they're sitting on, the pressures that they're under. Uh, it's a bit of a rant there. But here's a response to the bulls in order to give some power back to the bears. The other day, I, I finished with a quote from Steve Zaretsky, and I'll read it to you again because I think it's hilarious. Nothing worse than being bearish on everything and never making a dime. <laughs> well, Zeland, thank you for your rebuttal to that point. I think it's fantastic too. Not as bad as deploying your capital at the top of a mania. <laughs> that being said, now is more important, they say, than ever to have an idea about macro trends and invest accordingly. People are convinced on both sides, and I think it's fantastic. Don't sit on the fence. Do something, guys. Be confident in the decisions you're making. Man, you need to suck. If I were to wrap this podcast up, just looking at all the craziness we've come through 2020 and now with Trump losing his Twitter, you got to be pretty bad to be blocked on Twitter. Like, really? <laughs> I've only been blocked on one account. <laughs> I made fun of the official Minecraft Twitter account, so they blocked me. <laughs> That's so stupid. Ugh. Anyways, social media is taking over, dude. It really is. One day you're going to have Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. They're all going to merge. We're going to call it you twit face. <laughs> I hope you guys had some fun. Hope you learned some stuff today. Please hit that like button, subscribe, whatever it takes. Leave us a comment down below and we'll see you next time. Take care and keep it real.